produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am crew. That I did know. These people may be isolated and unbalanced, but I believe with the right push, it can be exactly what you need. I'm suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen, online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the intrepid trio, Eric, Kylan, and myself, Mike. And of course, our soon-to-be-famous AI, Thursday. I have a bad feeling about this. That's well, she should. <laughs> um, so, how are you guys doing? It's been a yeah, while. Right. Yes. I'm going to say since it's Thursday, and it's day one of a certain event in a certain location that we can't name yet, Happy Geek New Year. <laughs> As we're recording this on Thursday, San Diego Comic-Con has started, which keys off the Geek New Year. Yes, that should be a national yes. holiday. Well, I agree. Yeah. So, uh, hey, Thursday, why don't, you, why don't you see if you could get that going for us? She mm-hmm. She's ignoring me. I, I see how this is. Yeah, yeah, she's not, uh, she's very quiet right now. Yeah, she is. Either that or I can't find the right, actually, I can't find the right note button to trigger the effect. <laughs> see, there, it's behind the scenes. Um, a wise selection. And that's not it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Check out, the, check out the current homepage. <laughs> I say that with full confidence. Check out the the current homepage, MightyMarvelGeeks.net. Check out our affiliates. Check out our partners, Found Me and Heroes and Villains, which I can't wait to see what they've got coming out for San Diego Comic-Con. All I know is it's Jedi and Sith related. The Bounty Hunter stuff okay. looked great. Um, I want to see some more Marvel stuff from them, too. Hellfire Club was awesome. Um, mm. I want to see a S.H.I.E.L.D. line. I would love to see a S.H.I.E.L.D. line from them. I really would. Um, so, got that. Uh, hit those links. It'll su- supporting them supports us. Also, to check out our web store where we've got hats, T-shirts, knit hats, which... If you want to be a skater dude who wears one during the summer, great, awesome. It's there for you. Uh, hoodies, sweatshirts, um, T-shirts, baseball jerseys, a couple hockey jerseys. Uh, get it while you can. The Captain Marvel, Cree, and Hero hockey jersey because they're going away soon. And uh, so will the Spider-Man jersey, hockey jersey. It's going away soon as well. But they're all still available as baseball jerseys. So check those out. It's all on MightyMarvelGeeks.net. Also, too, go to PodcastAwards.com. If you sign up, you can nominate us in TV and film, 
entertainment and people's choice for the podcast awards. Uh, that way, um, we can hopefully become a finalist for for the next round of uh, make the final slate of ten uh, for the next round of judging. So we would appreciate your help with that. So, um, is there anything else? Um, That's pretty much it, right? I think so. Thursday? Sir, the system has accepted the modified core. I'll begin running diagnostics. Okay, so I guess we got a new core. Have you tried turning her off and turning her back on? Uh, I did that once, and it sounds sort of like this. Activating security protocol self-destruct sequence. Erasing all data. Just kidding. Mm. So, yeah, I'm I'm real careful about that now. (laughs) Okay. So, um... So let's hop right into the show, shall we? So before we get into some of the San Diego Comic-Con stuff, um, Spider-Man Far From Home is where we're getting a new, we, we, we got a new villain that we've never seen on screen before, just in cartoons, I believe, obviously mm-hmm. in the comics. Um, and that was Mysterio. Mm-hmm. And apparently yeah. there's some difficulty bringing him to life in the movie from the fishbowl helmet to the elaborate powers uh the writer said they had some challenges introducing quentin beck to the spider-verse uh well, I can understand that. now summers and mckenna were ready to tackle all, all of the best and weirdest aspects of mysterio um of course updating him for the mcu while staying true to the foundation of the character which is what i like because they kind of did the same thing a little bit with uh vulture as well yeah mm-hmm. they yeah. updated him but still kind of kept kept, to, kept the true to the essence to the essence yeah and i'll tell you for what Vulture would look like this day and age, I think they nailed it. I, I love the look. Yes. Um, Mysterio, <laughs> the costume, I think it's dead on. Um, so um, according to Summers, Mysterio is an iconic villain, and we discussed various villains, and we kept coming back to Mysterio. He really seemed like the next logical choice, but the challenge was how to update the Mysterio from source material, the comics, into someone that we would see in the MCU. So it came down to a lot of conversations with the creative team about how we would update Mysterio, how we would make someone who is in the comics who makes someone who in the comics is a stepman special effects guy with strings on his shoes into someone we could see coming up against Spider-Man in an MCU movie. Uh, Adam McKenna, it just seemed particularly with, yeah, iconic top tier Spider-Man villain that really hadn't been done yet. And then thematically, it seemed like coming off the chaos of the world, it really seemed to work with a character who thrives off chaos and being able to deceive people in that chaos. Um, so uh, Summers then explains that Mysterio isn't just taking advantage of Peter Parker, who's dealing with his own issues coming from Avengers Endgame, but he's also taking advantage of a world that's dealing with the same issues. Mm. So how do you guys feel about what they have done with Mysterio? Having not seen the movie yet, I can't comment on how they've how they've whether or not they have nailed the Quentin Beck from the comics. I will say this: what I have seen from trailers and photos and stuff like that, I like the look of the outfit. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I mean, let's be honest: if you did it straight from the comics, if you took the Mysterio outfit straight from the comics, he'd look like a bad cosplay at San Diego Comic Con. He really would. Mm-hmm. Which is going on right now at the time of recording. So I've heard. <laughs> uh, and now, and speaking of somebody who's seen the movie, like I've seen the movie twice. And 
like Mysterio was one of my least favorite Spider-Man villains. Like if they needed to get rid of a villain, they could get rid of Mysterio and I, I and I wouldn't blink twice about it. Uh having said that, uh with considering what they did with the character and how they made him relevant for you know this uh, for the 21st century they they did a really good job uh, and it's, it's especially the way they uh, handled the illusions um it was really really good yeah I, I was I was impressed I, I am not a big fan of mysterio in the comics I, I am right there with you see I wasn't a fan of I, I loved the look of mysterio in the comics but I was never uh-huh. a true fan of him. I was a Scorpion guy. Scorpion and Rhino and Kingpin. Those were my three. And I think that's something that that the uh, the current... I, I don't know if I want to call it Marvel Studios or... I guess it would be Marvel Studios then. The what, the approach that they're taking, they're not putting in you know, Green Goblin or, mm-hmm. or Kingpin or Rhino. I think the the PlayStation game did those guys justice really well. They did. Um, as a matter of fact, I love the the scene, or I guess the scene. I love the the boss fight that you have between Spidey, Rhino, and Scorpion. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. It really was. So, but I do like the fact that Marvel Studios is 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 bringing up. They're digging deep. These are deep cuts. If they if it was a radio station, these would be deep tracks, uh, deep cuts from his Rogues Gallery. So that way you don't have the ones that you expect. Right. And the rumors that, you know, well, maybe Craven will be in the next one. I say, I can handle that. Yeah. Because I do kind of like Craven. Yes. I agree. I agree. I would love to see Craven. Uh, and I think it would tie in, especially to potentially go over, crossover into uh, Black Panther as well. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's just me, though. I mean,. You know the thing is that it'd be interesting uh, to put to put uh, put him up against Black Panther. And I the thing is I've always pictured Craven as a Spider-Man villain, but to put him up against Black Panther and knowing that you know he's done this whole big game thing and now he's all about hunting humans, you know. And I guess you know if you're going to hunt a human, why don't you hunt a big cat? You know, so yeah. Let's see right. what happens. Well, we know how it's going to end. You know, but you know. Yeah. Right. So, um. So yeah, that's what we've got for Spider-Man. But speaking of Black Panther, um, Takio Watiti wasn't he the Taika. Taika Watiti? Yes. Which I believe he was involved with Black Panther. Um, I thought it was Ryan Coogler. Yeah, was Ryan he? Coogler. Okay. Watiti was Taika Watiti was Thor Ragnarok. Rock. Well, he has been brought on to do Thor 4. So he's going to crack at another Thor movie. Dude, I, I am so totally on board with this. Yes. I was not... I have never really been a big Thor fan. I mean, from the comics, I just I just wasn't. Right. right. But the MCU Thor, I liked a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. And I like the arc that he's gone through. I mean... You had in the original Thor, you had, you know, Kenneth Branagh, do the directing. So there was a huge Shakespearean element to it. Very strong. Which was fine for the first film. Almost needed Which was that. Yes. I mean, you set these guys up. You set Thor and Loki and Odin and, and all of Asgard up. You're 
you're closer to the comic books, you know, source material and how they were originally, you know, or supposed to be portrayed. It's like, oh, we aren't gods, forsooth. Yea, verily. And then you see a start to the shift in Thor Dark World. Mm -hmm. But here comes Thor Ragnarok and it just blows everything up. (laughs) I know him. We work together. He's a friend from work. Um, so that I with that Thor has become cool. Yeah. Yes. See the the way I would rank the Thor movies: Thor Ragnarok, Thor, that's and Dark World. Yeah. Huh? What? Well, we have to put it in there. But there, there was another movie. Look, we don't have to watch. <laughs> it. Okay. Knowledge. Thor Ragnarok, Thor, and Loki too. Okay. <laughs> if, that's if, about if what it was. Yeah, pretty much. But you see where I'm getting that, though. With Ragnarok, you have the Thor that has assimilated to Earth culture. I mean, he's become he's basically become a local. Right. Or I guess, you know, from Asgardian terms, he's gone native or something. I don't know. But he his character has evolved. He's not the stuffy. I'm talking in old English type. Right. I'm a thunder god. It's he's become much more relatable. He has. And I think the the comic element suits him. Right. Because he is one of the most powerful members of the Avengers, if not. okay, you want to have the Hulk versus Thor argument, you can. But he is the most power. He's one of the most powerful. But it's that humor that keeps him relatable, that keeps him grounded. Because with that with that humorous element, he's not infallible. No, he's not. It's a perfect example is when he's in Doctor Strange's The Sanctum. And he's so, and he's calling Mjolnir, and you just hear all the stuff that's getting broken. Yeah, mm-hmm. which of course you're laughing, but it's also realizing that you know this Asgardian is human. Well, you know the thing is, like, all right, speaking as a, uh, so I'm a huge fan of mythology. Just to, uh, that's what got yes. me into comics, yes. and I think one of the things I loved was how, especially like if you look at the Greek gods. They were always hanging out on Earth. And if you and that as you got older, you started to understand that they, they were basically they were they they were just they were basically unrestrained humans is what they were. You know, and so you kinda I don't know, you kinda got this whole idea of you no know, Hercules being a Okay, I know technically Hercules isn't a god, but, you know, still. Demigod. You know, you know, a demigod. So, you know, you kind of picture him being like this party dude and, you know, old and, and, and Thor, I mean, not, not Norse, Greek. And then Zeus being, well, we'll talk about Zeus later, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about Zeus when the kids have gone to bed. Yes. <laughs> so, so, you know, to see Thor... Be this like you know he you know he he had always had this love affair with Earth anyway yeah and and for and the way uh Watiti you know just kind of all of a sudden he's like I don't know uh, okay I hate to put it this way but it's the only way I can describe him he ends up becoming like a himbo you know but but you know he he took he took Groot as an elective so that was awesome. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm just glad they showed up for classes, you know, so I, I don't know. It, it it made Thor like I was like you, like I struggled to like 
the first Thor movie. I mean, I did on some level. I liked it because it felt more like as close to the mythology as the Marvel gets. Right. Right. You know, but then, you know, we have him. We we see what happens as a result of him being around Earthlings for too long. Now he's, you know, now he's you know, a beer swelling, basically party dude. <laughs> he's almost like a college jock. Yes, sort of like a, a nicer version of Ogre from uh, <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds. Am I right? Am I right? I, I cannot yeah. unsee that now. <laughs> and you're welcome. He he's like he's like Ogre. Okay, in in Revenge of the Nerds too, when Ogre realized that he was a nerd. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Okay, he's sort of like that, except you know what if he he knows that he's good looking, so you know what if C A T spelled God. Pretty much, yeah. That may be Showtime Pretty right much. there. <laughs> <laughs> what a C-A-T spelled God. Um, well, question is now, what does this mean for Guardians of the Galaxy 3? I think we I think we, we might see an Asgardians of the Galaxy movie. I don't know. Now, I James, don't know. James Gunn supposedly has said it will not be called Asgardians. Oh, well. Which I think is a mistake. Yeah. Okay. I, I kind of agree with you on that one. What this means for Guardians, I mean, it's un, it's my understanding that Guardians has been shelved because Suicide Squad is still going. Right. I mean, it's not, not shelved, but it's been delayed. Right. So, in all likelihood, Thor 4 will come out before Guardians 3. Right. Unless they just say, okay, well, we've, we've, Thor 4 is in the can. Let's release Guardians first, and then we'll release Thor 4 so it'll make more sense. Well, if Watiti kept with his schedule, he could have finished Akira that he's doing for Warner Brothers, the live action Akira. Which I can't I'm, wait for that. Which I can't wait for either. Um, and then have it set where Thor 4 could come out after Guardians 3 in the same year. Is it wrong that I want to see Kaneda's bike in the background of Thor 4 somewhere? No. Okay. Well, you know, I was hoping I was hoping to see Kaneda's bike hanging out in the background of uh, Ready Player One, and that didn't happen. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. That's because yeah. of licensing. I know. And unfortunately, that it's movie, not going to happen in Thor 4 either, as much as we want it. That um, movie is so deployed. One was like a... You know, a, a 80s version of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Right. Well, we, okay. even though it's a Marvel show, okay. stories that I know about the filming of Ready Player One, the reason why there's so much Spielberg-related stuff in it is because Spielberg cannot get the licensing rights for stuff from the book to be in the movie. That's mm-hmm. why a lot, anything that couldn't be done was substituted with Spielberg properties. Yeah. They did have Buckaroo Bonsai suit in it, though. Yeah, because I think they did get the license for that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's that was the same. It was the same challenge with Who Framed Roger Rabbit because you had all these characters from all these different franchises, all these different studios. And the only reason that it worked is because they brought in Spielberg, who was able to seal that deal. Right. Right. But right. And even though anyway. that was a Spielberg movie, it... Somehow it, it did become a Disney property, uh-huh. which I'm, I'm trying to remember how that came down 
That, that's, it was released on Touchstone Pictures banner, I think. That's what it was before it went somewhere else. Yeah. So. But that's that's a topic for Sorcom Radio or Sorcom Review or Weeby Geeks or some other show like that. Yep. So getting back um, now, Akira and Thor Four apparently the schedules of the two movies are reportedly overlapping. Uh, Akira was set to hit theaters in 2021, so it's reason it stands to reason that Thor 4 would arrive at a similar time. But if it's out a little later, it's almost guaranteed that Thor will arrive before Guardians. Um, so, I don't know. I, I kind of almost want Thor 4 after Guardians. Right. Because it sets up, <clears throat> unless we get the Guardian characters briefly at the beginning of Thor 4 as a cameo. To drop him off because Star Wars just getting annoyed with him and can't handle Rocket razzing him that you know Thor's better than you. Right. Okay. I do think that's probably that is the way you get Thor four ahead of Guardians three. But that's still it, you can have some members of the Guardians like you could have Rocket and Groot. Mm-hmm. And I think I think those three would make a hilarious movie together. Just the three of them. Well, could you imagine that along with uh, the two sidekicks of, of Thor that were at the uh, at, in New Asgard and in his house where he goes, hey Thor, they're at it again. And it hands him the headset. I can't think of the character's name. Oh, the one, one of the ones that... Yeah. Yes. Korg and Meek. Yeah. Hey man, come in and have a seat. I can't do a good Korg. I'm sorry. But you got to figure that that Korg is going to be back in oh, Thor yeah. 4. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's he's voiced by the director for crying out loud. Right. Yep. I will say that was my favorite cameo from Endgame. Yes. Mm-hmm. Listen here. I will come to your mother's basement's industry. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Thor's got a temper. Gamer rage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gamer rage. What if C-A-T yeah. spelled Gamer rage? <laughs> yeah. Go get your dad. <laughs> So, um, now, since we were talking about Zeus, my quick question, the Elementals or the Eternals, they're Greek-based or Roman-based? Um, the Eternals? Um, not really either one. They are, um, okay, now this is from Wikipedia, and this is, breaks it down as bad as well as I can think of. They are described as an offshoot of the evolutionary process that created sentient life on Earth. Uh, the original instigators of this process, the Celestials, intended the Eternals to be the defenders of Earth, which leads to the inevitability of war against their destructive counterparts, the Deviants. Okay. So it's the names that I see used, I would say, is probably close to... Uh, Closer to Greek, okay. although there are there are names that are borrowed from other uh, from from other ancient right. mythologies. Uh, like you've got Icarus, you've got Kronos. Um, there's one of the the eternal cities is called Olympia. Okay, uh, you you may be asking why am I asking this question? Uh huh. Why are you asking this question? I'm glad you asked because um, Marvel's promoting the Eternals, or they have promoted the Eternals ahead of Comic Con. All right. Which must mean we're getting into Comic-Con news, or yes. what there is at time of recording. Of course, there's going to be a lot more that we'll discuss next week or the week after when Eric gets back. Uh, actually, we'll do a full Comic-Con review when Eric gets back, because um, he will not be with us next week. He has a training mission. 
I am going to get that barrel roll down in the hell of us if it kills me. I'll help you when I can. Ta- I thought you were taking Lola. I'm not allowed to touch Lola, okay. and neither are you. Oops. We won't have another incident like the monster drink. Do you remember how long it took to get that scrubbed out of the seats? Yeah. That's yeah. why you're not allowed to touch Lola either. That's why I bought new seats for it. That's why you're not allowed to touch Lola. That's why Lola doesn't fly anymore. No, she flies. She's flying again. Okay, good. At least she did last week. Wait, I better keep my mouth shut. Oh, oh my God. Anyway, um, Marvel is said to have a big presence presence at Comic-Con, both in regards to comics and studios, uh, which is surprising with D23 a little over a month away. Um, Marvel also has a plethora of events going on in the comics at the moment, most notably Absolute Carnage. But from the movie side things are a bit more mysterious. Uh, That's because Spider-Man Far From Home is the true end to Phase 3, even though some people are putting it in Phase 4, which is silly. Um, But um, no other films have been announced yet going forward. That said, their latest tease seems to suggest the Eternals will be getting a spotlight at the event. Uh, Marvel took to social media with a very interesting post featuring the Immortals, or the Immortals, the Eternals. God, I've been saying the Immortals for the last two minutes. Um, And included in this photo of the group is added the caption, who are the Eternals? Um, If you head to the link, you'll get a full description. Uh, It's part of the, uh, there's a a link on comicbook.com that takes you to a description of the group. Uh, including their biggest story arcs that included the 76 Eternals run from Kirby, uh, Neil Gaiman's Eternals run from 2006, which actually I enjoyed the 2000, I love Gaiman's run. And and storylines that you'll find out more about the individuals like Icarus, Thena, Cersei, um, Makari, and more. So why is this so important? Um, well, in the week, you know, since this is coming out before Comic-Con started, ahead of several panels, probably indicating that the fans who aren't familiar with the Eternals will get a crash course. Um, this could be them officially announcing the movie. We know the movie's coming, but we don't know much more than that. So maybe this is a solid indicator that since Phase 4 is being rumored to be more cosmic and more mystical, that The Eternals is the way it's going to be one of those films on Phase 4. That would make sense. I mean, you with you know the Guardians and Captain Marvel and... Uh, Doctor Strange, you're seeing the shift to that. Right. And because you've had the success of like the Captain America and the Iron Man, you've had, you've got that, you've built up that trust, you've built up that equity. So, you know, now that people are saying, okay, well, you know, we've we've come to accept, you know, a, a man with a flying suit of armor that assembles itself or, or a guy who you know got, got frozen for seventy years and is you know back and feeling fit and feisty. Now the jump in uh, suspension of disbelief—it's not that big a distance to go now. No. If you had started off with Captain Marvel, you would not have an MCU. No, you wouldn't. If you started off with Guardians of the Galaxy, you would not have an MCU. Correct. And, you know that's one of those things. It, it's sort of like. When we tried to explain to people, and I know I still do, that had had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. started off with all the superhero stuff, 
we would not have we we would not still be talking about Agents of Shield right now. And that is something that I had trouble with because I wanted more connection to the MCU. I, right. I, I think I still did too. Well, I still do. But I think the one now that the opportunity's gone because of the events of Endgame. The one thing I always wanted was I wanted that Robert Downey Jr. cameo or appearance in a couple episodes, but I wanted right. him as Tony Stark, not Iron Man. Well, I wanted to see the point where the Avengers learned that Coulson's alive. Yeah. Yeah. That is really, if I'm being honest with myself, that is really what I wanted when I say I wanted more co- you know, connection. See, and we could, I have, mean, we could have gotten that in Civil War. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I, I think gotten that Infinity War or Endgame for that matter. True. True. Well, he he's dead by the quote unquote dead by the time we get to Endgame. Mm, true. So to have him in Infinity War or, or at least mentioned in um, Civil War near the beginning of Civil War, you know, or have the mention of well, what would Coulson have us do? And they go well, and, and Maria Hill could go. Well, why don't we just ask him? I right? mean, yeah, you can do something like that because she knew. Yeah. Because she knew, because he's the one who suggested the Theta initiative before uh, Age of Ultron. True. Because he talks to her in, in the final episode while he's still yeah, director. Yeah, it's time to call in the Avengers. And activate I- Theta. So, but speaking of Avengers, or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, officially, S.H.I.E.L.D. is ending after Season 7. Didn't we already know that? We did already know that. And unfortunately, the source for this story also knew that because they're the ones who we got the story from originally. (laughs) But it has been said that um, Deadline broke the news Thursday ahead of the panel that uh, Jeff Leap confirmed the decision to bring the series to an end. Hello. I I, I still say this is old news because we talked about seven was it. No more. Yeah. Because the shield, because it still ties in with the phase three stuff, uh, up everything through phase three. I don't see how Agents of Shield could carry over into phase four unless they take the current stuff potentially into a new spinoff show and do the the space travel stuff that they've been doing right? now. That's true. So, so maybe we go from Agents of Shield to Agents of Sword. That's possible. It's possible. Um. So according to Lieb or Jeff Loeb, uh, when you know that. When you know that's what you're doing, you can take greater risks of life and death. These kinds of de- those kinds of decisions suddenly now are real on the table because you're not playing how how do we undo this when we get to the next season? You're playing with this is going to be the end of the story. So in addition to the confirmation to deadline, uh, Agents of Shield Twitter broke the news to loyal fans as well. Next summer season will be the last for Marvel's Agents of Shield. Reads the tweet. Thanks to our fans for allowing us to be the longest running Marvel TV series to date. I would love. I haven't read any of the responses, but I would love to know how many went. Uh, duh. We already knew this. Anyone who thought there was going to be a chance of a season eight, please. Everyone was saying at the sp- when season six was wrapped and they're filming season seven now. That seven was it. Seven was the goodbye. Yeah. So, I mean, realistically, we don't want it to end, but I don't see how they could and have it tie in with what's happening in the rest of the MCU at this stage in the game. No. And I think I said this when we were last talking about it. How many of us really expected this show to go more than three seasons. I didn't expect it to last. I think you and I talked about it in the early days. I didn't expect it to last past Winter Soldier. 
you know what? I, I okay. I was a little worried, but after because of how different the show was, like the that that following week, because it was basically two completely different shows. You yeah. know, no, because you you had one show, and I and I was just really struggling to hang on with, it, and I was wanting to do that. And then Winter Soldier happened, and all of a sudden I'm like. Oh my crap! It's comic. It's it's like comic authentic shield, you know. Yeah, I definitely and, did not expect it to last past Age of Ultron. I, I was I think surprised I, by that. I think I even said I don't see it lasting past the second Avengers film because that's what it's all setting up for. Right. Um, and it's it kept, in season one kept with the whole it's all connected, even though the films never recognized the show but the the whole winter soldier events tying in with what became the sub story uprising in season one yeah mm-hmm. was perfect that was. was the perfect tie-in and then they kind of went off on their own and then they briefly brought up the sokovia accords and then the whole sokovia accords died on the show so it's like Every other metahuman in the world has to sign this Sokovia Accord, except those on S.H.I.E.L.D. Because I don't remember them, I don't remember Quake or any others having to sign the Accords. Well, well yeah, but it, well, at that point, they were, they were an illegal organization. So Quake couldn't sign anything anyway. True. They were kind of an off-the-books type thing. I mean, if you are essentially fugitives from the state are you going to walk right into a post office and say hey i need a sokovia form put down all your personally identifiable information true i mean that would be that would be stupider than downloading that face app Ah! hey he has a good point i tried it i looked like john goodman I stuck a picture of Matlock on my face feed and and just left it at that. I figured that was close enough. <laughs> that works too. So actually, actually, I'd get my looks from my maternal grandfather, and in his later years, he actually did look a good bit like Matlock. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's closer than you might think. So we talked about how um, before Comic Con they said it was going to be the wraps. Season seven is it. Well, here's the recap from the S.H.I.E.L.D. panel at Comic-Con. Um, they play Coulson's lines from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s first episodes, and then Jeff Lieb comes out. He tells the audience that he knows, he says the audience knows we're wrapping up the series and wants them to know this is an ending the fans deserve because they rock. He wants to thank everyone involved and the fans who got us through 136 hours of the show. Impressive. Um, Then he brings out the people on the panel. Jeff Bell, Marisa Tanchoran, Jed Whedon, Jeff Ward, Natalie Cordova Buckley, Elizabeth Henstridge, Ming-Na Wen, Chloe Bennett, Henry. Who's Henry? Uh, That's um, that uh, Chloe's dog. Al. No, that's Al. Uh, Al. uh, Mac. Oh, Henry Simmons. Yeah, Henry Simmons. Okay. And Clark Drake. Clark Drake. Then they're going to have Henry roll some clips and go through each season, asking them their favorite memories, because this is about a celebration. Uh, Starting off with season one, um, there's Colson giving his speech about protecting the world um, and how it's a much weirder world now. Uh, and then shows highlights from season one. It ends with director Colson. Greg says season one is a magical place. Uh, when I stepped in, stepped on the stage with the cast of Avengers in 2010, I think not, uh, I think not long after that I was dead. And this was, and this really nice guy I met in the green room named Whedon said, 
well, we think he may not be so dead. He passed it on to Marissa and Jed, who led us to led us on this incredible journey. Uh, he also gives kudos. Mostly dead. Yeah. Also gives kudos to the people who organized Colson Lives. Shouts out producer Gary Brown. Uh, footage two or footage rolls from season two, showing highlights of the season. Uh, Ming Na Wen says just how much the people behind the scenes made the show work, or just how much the people behind the scenes made the show work. I say thank you to Ming-Na Wen for highlighting the crew, um, being, a, being a techie myself. So I appreciate that. Um, it, right now we're shooting the very last episode, and we came in with this energy of, hi, I'm happy to see you, and then make crying sounds. Uh, then they play season three f- highlights. Uh, Henry recalls being brought on to the Fitz mechanic, f- to be the Fitz mechanic friend. But then once again, they got him on set. The showrunners knew they had to keep him as a regular. Uh, season four highlights are shown. Henstridge gives a compliment, but it turned into something quite entertaining. Uh, season five highlights are shown. Um, and then Greg says, these guys know, all know I was cast in a different part as Vigil, who gets killed. Ward's, Ward said, um, Greg says he killed the table read. Jeff came in, was like this one character that died I've never heard a table read. No one reacted like that. We didn't know who he was at all. He just came in and stole the part, says Bennett. Uh, there was a Q&A session. Um, they go, during the five-year gap of Endgame, where were you guys? These stories take place before all, all that happened. Um, possibly a spinoff of Quake and Name in Space. Um, have been talks of a comic following that story line. The adventure takes the adventures in space, uh, says Whedon. Is Sarge an alternate, alternate, alternate universe version of Coulson? I think there's an episode on Friday night that will answer those questions. Uh, speaking about yesterday at, at the time of airing, or this past Friday. Um, will Fitz and Simmons get married again? And they say, sure. Is there a chance we'll see agents in the MCU postseason number seven? None of us know. Any chance... Always a chance anything can happen. So then there's a trailer that plays, and that wraps that up. So so far, favorite memory of or favorite moment of Shield. Um, Coulson being Ghost Rider. Yeah. Okay. Um. Hmm. Uh. How about uh? Gosh, I'm think. Um. Agent May. Like the the final fight between Agent May and Grant Ward. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the whole Deathlock storyline. Now, that's a character I'd love to see back. That's a character yes. that I want to see in his own spinoff series, whether it's on ABC or Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I don't think you're going to see any more Disney not Disney, but I don't think you'll see any more Marvel stuff on ABC going forward. Yeah, I don't think so either. Mm-mm. So, and that that has as much to do with Disney Plus as anything else. Right, right. Uh, now it has also been announced. Speaking of Ghost Rider, that we will see both Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch return to action um, in the new Ghost Rider series. Uh, the description of the series reads, The brothers Ghost Rider are back. Johnny Blaze ain't just the king of hell. He's the warden, too. He's the first line of defense between the demonic hordes trying to escape the joint and the lords of hell making the making a play for his throne. Uh, a certain and 
Of course, this comes with all the power with it, including a certain evil queen from his past. Meanwhile, Danny Ketch never wanted to be a ghostwriter, but now that his brother's in charge downstairs, Ketch must take the duty of the Earth Spirit vengeance full time. Um, I remember I think when Johnny is- Blaze and Dan Ketch met for the very first time. Yeah. Now, of course, we're talking about a new comic book. I misread this. I thought they were talking about the the new Disney now or the uh, the new Hulu series. Yeah. No, this is uh, this is a comic book, and I do kind of like how Blaze and Catch play off of each other. Mm-hmm. Especially, especially like I said, when they first met, because right. Catch was a writer, Blaze wasn't. Right. And it, to be honest, that Johnny, the way they wrote Johnny Blaze, I, I mean, he was more of a bad dude than than anybody would have expected, especially those that had read it in the read him in the original Ghost Rider. Right. I mean, he was just he was coming to take that demon down. I mean, yeah, he, he was. was he was almost like Blade at that point. That's true. Uh, was that was that prior to um, uh, Johnny Blaze becoming? Um, what was it? He became. You know, when he, he had the shotgun. Yeah, this was when. This was exactly when he had the the fire spewing shotgun. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because he pointed the shotgun at Catch Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider just like grabbed the barrel and there were flames that kind of got sucked up into the into the shotgun. Right. Right. And it was basically an enchanted weapon at that. It was something straight out of D&D at that point. Oh, because it seemed to never run out of ammo. That's true. Hey, it's great when you got that cheat code. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Johnny Blaze was using console commands at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So player add item dot flame ammo dot one zero 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 zero. If you play Skyrim or Fallout, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. <laughs> so um last two quick stories. Marvel Shang Chi reportedly hires the Matrix director of photography. Um so Bill Pope will be the cinematographer for Shang Chi. Which I'm pretty stoked for, especially if you oh, yeah. keep the Matrix look going. Oh, yeah. That will yeah, really if, help if, there. If you could get that Matrix vibe without, like, all the gunplay. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you could totally do that. And then finally, Mark Miller, or Millar, declares Taron Egerton will be the next Wolverine. Eggie from Kingsman as Wolverine. You know uh, what? Did you guys ever see uh, the Robin Hood movie they did? Yes. Yes, I, I will say this, like the movie itself was OK. In my opinion, it was terrible, but but he does action well. I don't know. I, I you know, the thing is, I, I'm a bit of a Taron Egerton fan. I'd be willing to give him a shot because at the same time, I was like when they when they said Hugh Jackman, I'm like, who? Right. And look what we got. Well, well yeah, go ahead. I would not have. I have not have thought that Hugh Jackman would have made a good Wolverine, but he did. And I would not have thought that Michael Keaton would have made a good Batman, but he did. Exactly. So I'm going to try to keep an open mind if this comes to pass. I mean, he's not he's not saying this definitively, but he is. This is his guess. This is or it's like when we come on here and we go calling it right now, it's going to happen. 
I don't know. He he kind of does. And he's responding to uh, um, someone on Twitter. He goes, I'm reading your ultimate stuff at the moment. Thanks to the miracle of Marvel Unlimited. It's good stuff due to your ability to predict the future twice on this page. I'm convinced you're a witch, though. Uh, and he's referring to a scene where he goes, listen, I'm sorry about breaking your nose back there, General Fury. He goes, take it easy, Cap. The nose has been smashed more times than Robert Downey Jr. And then Miller's response is from 2002. Always remember, I'm never wrong. P.S. Taron Egerton will be the next Wolverine. So that's him saying right there, I'm calling it. That's your man. Yeah, that's why I'm saying, you know, he is he is calling it. We'll see if he's right. 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 I'm like I said, I'm keeping an open mind about that possibility. Mm-hmm. I would actually like to see someone closer to the the classic comic vision of Logan. Yeah. Right. I mean, you get somebody who's short, but incredibly ripped. Mm-hmm. Well, there goes my thought of Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Wow. I'm Wolverine. Oh! <laughs> well, at least it's not Ric Flair. Uh, woo! Woo! I'm Wolverine. Woo! <laughs> so. Professor Woo X, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Professor X. That's going to keep me laughing all week long. I'm just telling you. Professor X, can you smell what the Wolverine is cooking? Well, it's right here in my claws. (laughs) So, well. Here are the picks of the week. Kylan, why don't you start us off? All right. I am going to start us off with. Fearless number one. Uh, now, mind you, this I I I did some blind picking this week, okay? Because uh, I look like I went with all new titles. So, <clears throat> that being said, my first book is Fearless number one. And um, why is my computer my computer hates me right now, guys? <sighs> It'll be in a second, I promise. So, uh, how how is the Midtown um? Does uh, Peter's High School, do they have a basketball team, football team, anything like that or what? Working computers? I think so. (laughs) No, apparently the site does not like me tonight. Like I keep having to go back to – let's try that one more time. Let's see. Yeah, I don't know why this is doing this to me. Um, why don't you pick it? Why don't you go first? Now I'll just go the next two. So Eric, why don't you go ahead and start us off and we'll come back to the Kylan. Okay. Um, well, I did not originally plan on doing this, but it has worked out that way. Uh, all of my picks this week are going to be on a theme and that theme, ladies and gentlemen, is Conan. So my first pick of the week is Age of Conan Belit, number five of five. The by redhead, Timmy How- huh? the redhead who's hosting the talk show on TBS. No, oh. <laughs> uh, by Tinny Howard, Kate uh, Nimchek, and Santa Takeda. All hail the Queen of the Black Coast. Belit undergoes a harrowing experience, but will she emerge stronger or forever broken by the ordeal? And in Yaga's greatest challenge, plus the conclusion of the all-new Belit novella, Bone Whispers. Okay. I'm ready now. Okay. Kylan, head us off. Okay. All right. Uh, my first pick is uh, Fearless, number one of three, brought to us by Sean Ann McGuire, Claire Rowe, and Yasmin Putri, and more. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> 
The fiercest ladies of the Marvel Universe, on and off the page. Straight off her silver screen debut, Captain Marvel takes the world by storm. And speaking of weather, Storm of the X-Men faces a problem only a goddess could solve. Add the Invisible Woman and you've got an unstoppable trio in a story by Hugo-nominated novelist and Spider-Gwen ghost spider writer Sean M. McGuire. Then Leah Williams takes us back to the golden days of romance with Millie the Model. Plus, get your dose of his her story with profiles on classic and contemporary creators. Okay. Well, my first pick of the week is Valkyrie, Jane Foster, number one. Jane Foster stars in an all-new ongoing series. Hey, a new hero emerges straight from the pages of the War of the Realms. For years, you knew her as Dr. Jane Foster, one of Thor's most steadfast companions. Hubba hubba, yeah. Then you knew her as Thor, the goddess of thunder, who took up the mantle when no other hero, god, or human was worthy. Now Jane takes on a new role as Valkyrie, guide and fairy woman to the dead. But her days of punching are far from over. War of the Realms master architect Jason Aaron and superstar Al Ewing, Mortal Hawk, uh, join forces with rising star artist Kafu for the book that will have everyone talking. So, Eric, your second pick of the week. Okay, my second pick of the week, continuing on the Conan theme, The Savage Sword of Conan, Trade Paperback, Volume 1, Cult of Kogathun, by Jerry Duggan, Ron Garney, and Alex Ross. The ancient cult of Kogathun, a mystical treasure, and the only man who can save the Hyborian Age. But Conan is adrift at sea with no food and no weapons. Death surely awaits him. But by Krom, the lion-hearted barbarian is not so easily subdued. When Conan is captured, he unleashes his might on an unsuspecting pirate crew, one whose dark secrets will set him on the trail of an ancient fortune that may prove to be his undoing. Back on the shores of Stygia, a magical guide directs Conan toward dreaded civilization, but will take all his strength and wits to make his way through the ruined city that awaits him. For to get there, Conan must survive the death cult of Sorcerer Kogathun. This is collecting Savage Sword of Conan, numbers one through five. Okay, Kylan, your second pick of the week. My second pick is History of Marvel Universe, number one of six, uh, brought to us by Mark Wade, Javier Rodriguez, and Steve McNiven. All new story by legendary creator Mark Wade. Everything you ever want to know about the Marvel Universe in one lavishly illustrated series. From the Big Bang to the Twilight of Existence, History of the Marvel Universe chronicles completely for the first time everything that was is or will be lushly illustrated text tells the complete story of the marvel universe revealing previously unknown secrets and serving as the ultimate reference book for marvel fans witness the greatest tale ever told and be prepared for some shocking revelations okay well my second pick it's gonna be a short short one amazing spider-man number 26 uh boomerang's influence is finally felt and spider-man joins the superior foes wait it's not possible is it is it that's all i got so on to final picks of the week Okay, my final pick of the week is Conan the Barbarian Original Marvel Years Omnibus Hardcover Volume 2. Now, I this is I, 
I tend to avoid these picks, picking these particular ones, because I mean they're not cheap. I mean the the asking price on the on the page here that I'm looking at is a hundred bucks. So yeah, but you're talking but to, an entire run though. Uh, this is a ton of run. Yes, it is. But I was collecting Marvel comics when I was a kid, and one of the first, the earliest ones that I can remember having was a Conan one. So Conan. To me, to me, Conan has you – know, there's a special place in my heart for this big barbarian. And so I couldn't not pick this because uh, it is the legend of Conan continues. Tired of the thieving life, Conan signs on as a mercenary for the warring kingdom of Turan. The enemy will tell of Conan's legendary skill in battle, if any are left alive. But palace intrigue may prove more dangerous to the barbarian than any foe. After all, it's never wise to bet a wizard's woman. Then Conan joins Red Sonja for a multi-part adventure. Last but far from least comes Roy Thomas and Gil Kane's never-before-reprinted adaptation of The Hour and the Dragon, the iconic story of how Conan became king and conqueror and met the woman who would become his wife. And it's all restored to the original authentic coloring. Oh, this wow. is collecting, yeah. This is collecting Conan the Barbarian, the 1970 series, numbers 27 through 51, and annual number one, giant size Conan, numbers one through four, and material from Savage Sword of Conan from 1974, number one, number eight, and number 10. So, like I said, a ton of run. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's expensive, but you're oh, still worth it. For it. Yeah. It's still going to come out cheaper buying this and then buying all those individually. Mm-hmm. That is true. And I'm just going to call it. I don't. I don't think there's much Conan in Marvel Unlimited. I don't think no. there's any. I mean, I'm, I'm looking up, but y'all go ahead and I'll let you know if I see anything. Kylan, your final pick of the week. My final pick is. Swordmaster number one, brought to us by Shuju, Gunji, Greg Pak, and Chris Anka. Mighty Marvel Martial Arts Double Trouble. All new ongoing series. You saw him tear through fire goblins in War of the Realms with his big damn magic sword. Now learn the mysterious origins of Lin Lei, a.k.a. Swordmaster. Marvel's newest Chinese superhero in the English-language debut of the original series written by Shuzu and drawn by Gunji. Hunted by dreams of demons, Lin Lei hunts for his missing archaeologist's father and for the secret of the black sword he left behind. In a brand new story written by Greg Pak of New Agents of Atlas, Swordmaster teams up with Shang-Chi. What happens when an undisciplined, untrained kid with a magic sword tangles with the one and only undisputed master of Kung Fu? Spoiler alert, they will indeed drive each other crazy with huge ramifications for the Marvel Universe. Okay, well, my final pick of the week is Star Wars number 69, uh, Tricks and Traps. The Rebels and the Rogues epic continues as our heroes deploy their plans to trick their Imperial pursuers, and everything falls apart. Chewie and 3PO face moral qua- moral quandaries and moral danger. 
When they learn the uninhibited planet they're supposed to destroy isn't quite so uninhibited. Will the Force be with Luke in a bar fight? And who is Star Champion? And what does he have to do with Leia's past? And I went to go look on Marvel Unlimited. They've changed the app up. Mm-hmm. Since I don't have membership, I don't have access to look at titles anymore. Well, I can tell you there's no Conan titles in there. This absolutely stinks. I'm going to have to figure out how to get back on board with Marvel Unlimited. Oh, yeah. So, well, Kyle, you had the MU pick for this week. Yeah, and so in light of the possibility of us getting a Black Widow trailer uh, by the end of uh, San Diego Comic-Con, I decided to go with the first appearance of Black Widow, which is uh, in Tales of Suspense, number 52. Hall of Famers Stan Lee and Don Heck introduced the crimson-haired femme fatale Black Widow into the Marvel Universe in The Crimson Dynamo Strikes Again. Tony Stark wastes no time trying to catch the eye of the beautiful Natasha Romanoff, but little does he know that she is the super-secret Russian spy Black Widow. And introductions are cut short by the destructive Crimson Dynamo and Iron Man must stop him. And this is like the early, early version of her. So where she's sort of like in the in like the short dress with like the little cap and her hair just looks kind of all weird. So, yeah, there's that. Okay, cool. Well. That's going to bring us towards the end. Any final thoughts? Um, I'm final thoughted out. So there you go. I'm, I think I'm pretty final thoughted out too. Then I'm going to go back to Thor with his what if C A T spelt God. You are really wanting that to be the the, the issue title. I, it's going to be the issue title. Well, see, there you go. So all wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? No, just time to go dark. I am a god, you dull creature, and I will not be bullied by that.